Welcome to the Who See Podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, we will be going back to the beginning of the Series 4 with our, uh, yet another retrospective. Um, so it was, this week we're kicking off Season 4 with Partners in Crime, um, which I must have, I, actually I was, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised after all this time, I've got to be honest. So oh, we'll, we'll, sneak we'll, preview. Yes, sneak <laughs> preview, yes. So we'll... Um, We'll come to that later. Um, but I, th- I think before we go any further, um, happy birthday to Martin. Yes, at, happy uh, birthday. Yes, happy birthday to the Bad Wilford podcast. We had rather a, a pleasant and great night out last night. Yes. Uh, with uh, the basically all of ba- all of Bad Wilf and all of the Faros projects as well. Yes. Well, well barring Natalie anyway from uh, from Faros. But uh, no, it was, it was a very good evening. So thank you, chaps. Thank yes, you very thank much. You. Very, very good. Okay, well, let's um, crackle with a little bit of news then. There's no production news this week that I I could find, or either of us could find, for that matter. Um, I, su- I suspect they're going to sort of keep things a bit close to their chest if they're filming in the studio now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Once once they've they're not on location anywhere, yeah, then it. it's it's going to be pretty much they can keep it under wraps, can't they? But there was there was. Um... Actually, I couldn't find the, the article. That's the thing. I read things during the week, and I should always bookmark these things. But, um, but there was something that Stephen Moffat um, said, that Doctor Who's always been about the companion, not the Doctor. Right. He said he, he finds the idea of the Doctor travelling his own rather depressing. And he said you should always, sort of, more or less, he's more or less said you should always see everything through the companion's eyes. Right. Okay. Mm. No, not really. I suppose so. I mean, it needs somebody. It's... Yeah, it does, but I, I don't agree that the focus is on the companion and not the Doctor. The show, the show is called Doctor Who, for God's sake. I mean, the, yeah. you know, the, the clue's in the title, isn't it? So... The companion is there to ask the silly questions. Yeah. Or to, or to ask, or to give a recap of the plot for those that are not following very well. Yeah, that's right. A little bit of exposition. Yeah, yeah. but, you know, I, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't, you know, I think now and again the Doctor should travel on his own. Um, it has worked in the past. That's yeah. why it couldn't work again, to be honest. Yeah, if you think about an episode we'll be getting to um, quite, well, as I say shortly, but I don't know how much this is going <laughs> to, something like Midnight yeah. coming up, which was companionless. Yeah, indeed. That worked, that was one of the yeah. better episodes of this season, wasn't it? So, yeah. But let's not jump too far forward, eh? No. no, that's it. Right, okay, right, well, what news we do have for you? Um, there is some big finish news. Um, obviously, I think what's come out, I think people would listen to this already, you've got three new releases, um, another fourth Doctor story, Energy of the Daleks. Um, now, when I actually clicked on the link to order, it says available to pre-order. Now, I don't know, it doesn't actually say when... And I haven't actually looked on the Big Finish website yet either, So, but there seems to be available for pre-order. Now, considering we're at the end of April, it must be fairly soon. Yeah. It's only like another week of April to go. So what we have, you have um, another fourth Doctor story, Energy of the Daleks. Um, then you have a fifth Doctor story, uh, The Emerald Tiger. Uh, and then you have, which sounds to me like a... Um, an, just like an audio story rather than um, 
like a play as such, um, called The Wanderer, which centres around, more around Ian Chesterton. Um, it's part of the Companion Chronicles. Um, so it's it's a first Doctor story, um, which I think Ian Chesterton has to save the day, and it says he'll win the ultimate prize away home to 1963. So that's, that sounds quite quite interesting. Yes. Yeah, so I must admit, I haven't really... Still haven't really got into the big finish side of things. It's one of those things I really must must do. Um, however, if anyone else is like me uh, who hasn't really got into uh, the big finish side of Doctor Who yet, this week or this week coming week, starting the twenty third of April and finishing on the twenty seventh of April, they're having a bit of a uh, a bit of a sale. They call it the fight, the big finish five day sale, and on each day they've got certain titles. That will be selling um, for a five pounds each, uh, which is either on CD or via download through the Big Finish website, um, which doesn't sound too bad actually. No, I might have to. Yeah, I might look. Have a look. Yeah, sit for a five or a pop. It's not a bad, not a bad um, deal really. Yeah, I'll be doing some train journeys soon, so I could. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, obviously, uh, people have listened to them. Or I've downloaded these stories before. I go, well, don't bother with this one. Don't bother with that one. But I think, I think for five pounds, you can't really go wrong, can you? Oh, hope not. Hope not. No, exactly. I think for a five or a go, it's not. Uh, I think that's pretty good. Um, pretty good value, to be honest. So, uh, so that's uh, that's that's so the next bit of um, sort of other sort of media news is the Death of the Daleks um, DVD, which they've now sort of released the um, DVD cover. Um, which um, looks suitably Pertwee with a nice big Dalek and him and his nice velvet, the nice I can't, what colour velvet jacket? I can't remember which one it was. Was it a green one in uh, Deaths of the Daleks? I can't remember. He seemed to get through quite a few different colours in that season. Yeah, I can't remember. No, I can't, no, but um, a long while since I've seen that. Yeah, well, it's available. Um, doesn't say actually no, it does say my my mistake. The UK DVD release has been yeah, so that's the eighteenth of June. Uh, that will be uh, that will be out. So that's quite good. So um, obviously there's a nice raft of special features as well. Um, you have a commentary with um, actors Julian Fox, who played character Peter Hamilton, Cy Town, who was a Dalek operator, uh, the director Michael E. Bryant, assistant floor manager Richard Leyland, costume designer L. Roland Warren, and special effects um, guys Dick Mills, and moderate, moderated by Toby Haydock. So. Uh, that should be quite a good good commentary. Then, of course, you've got the obligatory uh, documentary. Uh, this one's called Beneath the City of the Exelons, which is uh, obviously a look back, making the story of Arnold Yarrow, who played um, Bilal, uh, Julian Fox and Michael E. Bryan, Richard Leyland, L. Roland Warren, and fan and Dalek voice, Nick Briggs. Yes. Yes. So, uh, And also, a, um, there's some studio recording footage as well. Which um, might be quite interesting, just to, just to see if Tony was right about um, <laughs> <laughs> what Pertwee was like on set. <laughs> We've gone. Four, I'd four, be very four, surprised. Yeah, forty rounds, wasn't it? With a. <laughs> um, now another one um, that's on there. It's uh, on the set of Doctor Who and the Daleks, which is behind the scenes of the first Dalek film, which I thought had already been covered in that um, Dalek Mania. Documentary, less some new footage has been un- unearthed or something. Maybe, or maybe there was more of it, and they just mm. 
I'm quite interested in that actually because I've got I've sort of uh, I don't mind the uh, Peter Cushing Dalek films yeah actually I know they say well, oh they're not canon I don't care actually they're, I think they're just good um, they pass the time they do pass the time yeah I just think they're sort of um, very much of their day but um, especially the first one but I think uh, the uh, which is basically the Dalek invasion of Earth I think that's quite a good um, quite a good film actually yeah so um, yeah now the other thing as well that the BBC Worldwide um, have released on the their classic Doctor Who YouTube channel um, they've released some stuff from the recent DVD release of The Demons and Nightmare of Eden so um, so if you haven't got the DVD and you just want to have a look at some of the um, some of the ex- extras on there um, basically got The Demons on location um, Aldbourne which is the cast um Sort of cast members Katie Manning and Damaris Heyman sort of talk about where they filmed in the, the village of Oldbourne all those years ago. Um, another one called A Great Working Relationship, which is all to do with the relationship between Barry Letts and Terence Dix. Um, a Stormy Night Sky, yeah, it's, it's sort of like another sort of uh, location um, story about a, a uh, one particular stormy night they had. Um, and exit lines reveal the influence the cast had on the script and how open Barry Letts was to adding sort of little bits and pieces to the characters at the sort of, I sort of assume at the actor's behest. Yes. Yes. So uh, that could be quite interesting. And then the Nightmare of Eden um, stuff they've put on their YouTube channel is a little um, thing about Alan Bromley who directed it. It's just sort of uh, the crew members that recount their experiences. Um, and it says about his old school techniques as well. It's maybe what jodhpurs and a beret and a riding crop. <laughs> God knows. Um, and then a little bit about the uh, the, the drug smuggling storyline that um, Bob Baker introduced into the uh, Nightmare of Eden yeah. uh, serial. So, um, yes, so there we go. Um, it actually says, um, reveals how his research of drug... And I remember this watching this episode, actually... Um, Bob Baker reveals how his research of drug abuse for the production of BBC police drama series Target, which featured featured Katie Manning in the role of a drug addict. Now I remember watching that. Actually, I remember my mum and dad were out, and I was I was I was round at my aunt and uncles, and sort of sort of babysitting for me and my sister. We were sort of playing with my cousin. I remember Target came on, and all I can remember was Katie Manning throwing up. <laughs> That's all I can remember out of that. But even then I said, oh, look, that's Joe Grant. I thought, oh, what when was that? Well, it was about 1970... Oh, blimey, when was the target on? Uh, 78, 77, 78, something about, like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, blimey, that's that's dragged up some memories, that is, crikey. <laughs> yes, so, um, that's really it for that sort of news. Now, there's just a, a little bit of um, announcement of a documentary that's coming up on BBC television um, next month, so it says here, called Tales of Television Centre. Now, obviously, um, as many of you will know, the BBC Television Centre in um, London shut down, uh, closed its doors, and everything's been relocated um, up up to Manchester now. Yeah. So, um, obviously, they're doing uh, the BBC. As though the BBC would, they sort of close it down, then celebrate it. And they're probably going about how wonderful it was to, to, to film there. Why the bloody hell did you close it down in the first place then? Um, but basically, they're the sort of 
getting sort of people's sort of memories of people who worked in there, um, different shows that were filmed in there. And obviously Doctor Who, by looks of this, features quite heavily. Um, so there's quite a few sort of former stars and, and crew members have been um, interviewed for this. So apparently what we have uh, written down here is Peter Davison, uh, Casey Manning, Louise Jameson, Janet Fielding, Warris Hussain, June Hudson, Graham Harper, Brian Blessed and Sarah Green. Um, and apparently it will feature um, Doctor Who related moments from studio recordings as well. Right. Yeah. I have to look out for that. Yeah, that's it. So it doesn't say when, but obviously that will be subject to uh, the usual BBC television scheduling. Yes. Um, I sort of imagine it. That's the sort of thing they'll put on a bank holiday, I would imagine. Is that sort Maybe. Of, is that sort of... Um, or whenever the last, completely the last day. Yeah, they're still in the process of moving, aren't they? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the things up there. So I don't know how far they are, are, they are into that now. Well, breakfast television's moved, news, whatever's moved up there, hasn't That's it? That's right, yeah. Um, and I know a lot of the radio has. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I don't know exactly where they are in terms of vacating the building. No, it's a real, it's a real shame because there's so many sort of iconic things have happened in that building. Yeah, I was, um, that's exactly what I was going to say. Actually, the building is featured in so many different shows. Yeah. Um, but... I, I, I just, it's just that thing that I can always, um, or forever associate the Boosie Television Centre with record breakers. Yes. And it's just right, you know, Roy Castle with all the tap dancers outside dancing around the fountain. I'll forever associate it with that now. Yeah. You know, another childhood memory. <laughs> totally. And obviously you've also had various shows and that where they, for comedic effect, have turned up at the main gates and not been allowed in and whatever. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think um, Spike Milligan did that a lot as well. I've got one thing where he was sort of... Um, heard in his audience at the BBC Television Centre with, with, like, with a whip... <laughs> He yeah. was like mushing them in, into there, and yeah, Kenny Everett used to start his um, one of his BBC shows with like the Kenny Everett show written on the side in neon on the side of the BBC Television Centre. So it features, as you say, it features so many different things. Um, it's just, it's a real shame. I think it really is a shame. Um, have they sold the building off yet, or have they got a buyer, or they going um, to turn it into a museum or something? Or yeah, I, I, I suspect the land is quite valuable. Oh, oh dear. That's going to be a sad day if they do bulldoze that lot over. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I presume that is what's going to happen to it. I doubt the building is actually going to survive in its current state. Nah, That's such a shame. Such a shame. Okay. Well, on that downbeat note, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> that that was the news. Okay. It's time to kick off our Season 4 retrospective, and as uh, promised at the beginning, we are looking at Partners in Crime this week. Um, now, I haven't watched this in a long time. Yeah, this is the first time I've watched it, I think, since it was broadcast. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, well, it's, this is the first time I've watched it since I got the, the um, DVD box set. Right. Actually, so I watched it once then, and then I haven't watched it since. Um, what did you think? After all this time? Um, it probably actually wasn't as bad as I remember. Um, well, I don't say bad. I mean, I think the biggest problem with it is I just 
don't really like the the adipose, really. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a. It just felt like they was designed by the marketing board at the PBC rather than. Yeah, so they could have sort of like soft, cuddly, beanie baby yes. adipose toys to sell. Yeah, um, yeah. You, 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 you sort of watch it and you just think, is that somebody's actually that that's come the other way? That's they've made the toy. Yeah, and then written the story around it. Well, I must admit, you, you had no. Okay, I know the um, Sarah Lancashire character, the Miss um, Foster, was the the villain of the piece. Yes, as it were, but she wasn't what you would call a real threat. There was no real. Okay, I suppose come the end, where she wanted to accelerate the um, sort of the, the you know the adipose process. Yeah, that I, th- I think then that's only when it became like a real threat to, to anyone in particular. Yeah, because up till then it was well, you know, it was just it was just a very sort of lightweight episode, wasn't it? Yeah, I and mean, it it was just all about the Doctor and Donna again, wasn't it? Yeah, um, which I don't, I didn't mind actually. Yeah, I didn't Although mind. I did, think, I did think it sort of went on a bit too long with the keep missing each other. Yeah, well, I, I could see that they were going for that sort of that sort of screwball comedy yeah. thing, weren't they? Yeah, um, but whether, whether that is entirely success, as you say, it did drag on a little bit too long, didn't it? In, yeah, you know. Um, but I, I, I say I, I don't dislike this episode. I think as a, as a season opener goes, it was it was just a a light, frothy episode to start with. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't one that you'd say, oh, I don't ever want to watch that again. No, um, but like, but also, it's not one that I'd necessarily reach for if I had a spare hour. No, um, I think again there was some really good, some really good bits in it actually, um, and again one of them features Bernard Crippins. Yes, and it's that scene where he's he's talking to Donna at the allotment, yeah. and I just thought that was that was a really nice, a really nice little scene. Um, especially when you think that she first filmed or filmed a version of that with Howard Atwell. Yeah. Did you have you seen the the the, the scene she did with him? Yeah, I have seen it on the on the uh, confidential extra, yeah. but I haven't I haven't watched it prior to it's been prior to today or anything. It's been a yeah. it's been a while since I looked at that. But again, that 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 was a quite a nice little scene as well. Um, yeah. And just sort of thank God they sort of thought of Bernard Cribbins to. To take his place, yeah. I mean that that anything with him in actually goes up a notch, doesn't it? It so, does, yeah. Um, and actually, the scenes you have with basically the Doctor and Donna as well are good. I quite enjoy in the, this. Yeah, the the quieter moments. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I mean they you do actually work at this. Actually, yeah, they did actually work quite well as a. As a companion doctor, yeah, relationship in this, and also this being the first one that isn't overly any suggestion of is there romance there is actually quite nice as well. Yeah, well, that they they, they sort of do establish that right from the off, don't they? When she yeah. says, "Well, he says, look, I just want a mate or yeah. a friend," you know. Yeah, um, and I just thought, oh, thank thank God for that. Yeah. Um, I think the, the sort of the only thing that sort of spoils it is when you get Catherine Tate being Catherine Tate, if you see what I mean. 
Because um, it yeah. it's because she's so um, firmly entrenched in the in the public conscious of, of doing like the Lauren character or um, the the old Nan and things like that. I think every now and again you think, oh, that sounds like that character. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, to be honest, though, I've not, I've not, I've not really watched a lot of the Catherine Tate show, so I don't come with that with, with that, baggage, that baggage. Baggage, yeah, I think that baggage <laughs> is the right word, actually. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, yeah, so that, I haven't got any referencing back to that no. to, to spoil it for me. So, yeah. no, I actually quite, <clears throat> I quite liked the the relationship between the two of them, and it is quite nice to have somebody who is, um. Not looking at him all doe-eyed and yeah, 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 and it's it's actually sort of um, I, I think I think a lot of people at the time were really really concerned about her being a full-time companion because I think she did um, great on a lot of people in the Runaway Bride. Yeah, um, <clears throat> but I think in that one she was asked to be a bit shouty. Yeah. You know, I think that, that I think the the situation demanded it, really, didn't it? You know, but um, yeah, I mean, she's that sort of character. She's been dragged away from her wedding, and it's <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So you you can you can understand it, can't you? For, for, yeah, for, you know, from the character's point of view. Um, but I think in, in this one, they, there was, and I think she's probably one of one of the um, the best companions that David Tennant had. Come the end, I, I, I think she really when she was acted. Like doing the not like shouting or like doing the, the comedic stuff when she was asked to act straight, I think I think she was brilliant. Yeah, and it just was that a more adult relationship there. Well, you know, if you know what I mean. Yeah, their how they interacted was it gave him a different area to play as well, didn't it? Yeah, Rather that's than right. Being this protective and whatever, he knew then he he didn't have to mind what he said in front of her. No, because she could then give, she would give as good as she got. Oh, and I think that that was the refreshing thing. I think actually, um, as you say, she she just wouldn't take any nonsense. Yeah, um, this is this is fast turning into a retrospective of her Catherine Tate. I know, but I think I think that's the, I think it's it's important though because they 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 set the character up um, as. She just wants to go travel in the universe with the doctor, and she realised that she should have taken that chance that he offered her. Yeah. At the end of the Runaway Bride, and she's been looking for him ever since. Um, and I think the way they move the character on, she, the, they, I know, as you say, it is turning into retrospective now of the whole <laughs> the whole character. But um, I think she probably had the best plot arc out of all the companions. Because it was just sort of like just by traveling with the doctor, it, her character grew, yeah, and, and and the character changed as well. I think what happened come the end was quite tragic for that character. Yeah, I mean that actually made the ending. We are really now going. We are well, well, well and truly skipping <laughs> forward here. But that, that the whole point of how that worked actually, yeah, that the character did develop so quickly and so well. Yeah, made the even. Even without what happens in the the last two episodes, mm. in terms of her character there, yeah, oh more yeah, tragic by the fact that she then ends up going back to being the the person we see at the beginning of this episode. That's right. 
Um, well, we'll come to that anyway because they're, they're yeah. you know, I mean, it's um, a, a not very well respected end of season episode. No, um, but um, well, say we're, we're, we're skipping we're way, way, way yeah. ahead of ourselves. Yeah, here. way, way ahead. Yeah, well, we've just set the scene for for Catherine Tate. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, actually, when we were talking about, um, actually, saying earlier on that the, the Stephen Moffat doesn't like um, the, the doesn't like the fact that you know the Doctor traveling on his own. Yeah, um, there was that bit in this episode where he, the Doctor's sort of um, examining something. He sort of he starts talking out loud yeah. to someone, then he realises there's no one there. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. That, that, that was a good scene. Yeah. Actually setting it up for him yeah. so, or being ready to travel with someone again. And it was actually quite a good use of the TARDIS set as well because what they way they, they sort of panned back and showed the basically the enormity of, of the of the set. Yeah. And how alone he was standing on his own. Yeah. In the middle of it. So it was quite that was quite well done, I think. I really did like that, but obviously, as we we touched on earlier, the adipose. Yeah, yeah. Do you think they're probably one of the most? I suppose they serve their purpose, but the most redundant. I, yeah. Creature yeah. ever in the history of Doctor Who, as far as I'm concerned. But it, it's it's hard to um to get angry about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, I know. But I don't... Oh, neither is it easy to like them. So yeah, it, in terms of that, so. They just really were nothing characters, were they? I mean, it is just if if, if the fat had just fallen off and landed in lumps, <laughs> it would have made <laughs> no difference to how really that to would the, have been pretty disgusting. Actually, if they'd have just been farming for fat rather than these becoming creatures, yeah. it would have had the same story. Yeah, it's it's probably sort of one of those ideas that someone had, and they think. In, it's, in, it's like in, a good in the toys idea. section of the piece. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's like those things that like sound like a good idea at the time, and you sort of, I think if if I'd have thought of that and one actually sort of come to making it reality, I thought, mm, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think I might have changed my mind about that one somewhat. But, <laughs> but yeah, it was just sort of there to move the plot along more than anything else, weren't they? Um, yeah. But as you said, you did, sort of didn't care about one way or the other. The, the bit at the end when they're all marching on mass down the street and that taxi. Yeah, the sound that. Was. Yeah, I thought that was a little bit unnecessary, actually. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. I actually I know, this, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I completely forgot about that bit, and it was just sort of I thought, oh dear, that that wasn't because um, they're sort of these sort of quite inoffensive, cute little creatures. Yeah, they're supposed to be little babies. Little babies, exactly. And then you go and run them over. Yeah. So um, yeah, I did think that was a little bit. A little bit mean, to be honest, but... <laughs> but I suppose realistic. I mean, I suppose the, the argument would have been it had it not hit any any of them, they'd have said, "Well, how did it manage to?" Yeah, that's it. Boy. That's it. So, um, I think the one the one the one scene that everyone talks about is when um, Miss Foster is interrogating that reporter that she's got tied to the chair, and you've got the doctor in the um, the window cleaning cradle outside, yeah. and Don the other side of the door. Um, I that's probably one of the one scenes I don't like. It's a little bit too comedic for yeah, me. Yeah, and again goes on a bit too, too long. long. Yeah, it works in the sense of yeah, that's I quite I quite I mean I quite like it and I quite like the idea of the first meeting of them. They can't yeah. actually. 
I, I, I do like the, I do like the one thing I do like about that scene is the payoff at the end. Yeah, where they they Catherine Tate realizes that Miss Foss has been watching them. Yeah, all that time. They've got to start absorbing themselves. Yeah, right? so I, I did. Yeah, I did. Attention. Yeah, I did quite like that. But again, it was it was something like out of a a West End farce, wasn't it? Yeah, but obviously that's what they were aiming for. You know, as we say, we said a, a light, uh, frothy episode, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I that. mean, uh, you've got to have these. Well, I so say you've got to. I mean, yeah, they they, they actually make the. It keeps everything different, doesn't it? Mm. You know, there's only so many times that you can have everyone in peril and yeah. And I, th- I think this is this and it is... all intention building mm. through the whole of an episode or yeah. whatever. So to well, have it... these odd ones is is quite good. Yeah, I think that's the thing that a lot of the hardcore fans haven't liked about the new series of Doctor Who. So when it since it came back, because you are getting those sort of um, lighter comedy orientated episodes like this one yeah um and they and basically and some of the hardcore fans just want hard science fiction week in week out yeah um and to be honest if you look at what they were doing with McCoy come the end a load of sort of like things like survival and the curse of Fenric and um Ghostlight are well regarded amongst fans it was your casual viewer wouldn't be able to watch them no and I think that was the problem, and that's probably what killed it off. And once you've got a, once you're down to a forty-five minute format anyway, mm. it's difficult to have both a light, have light moments in a in a heavy uh, story. Yeah, you do tend to end up with either one or the other to a certain extent. Yeah, that's it. It's Whereas just, in the old days, when you had six episodes, you could have one episode that was quite light. In itself, yeah. Well, I, I think the other things. Well, a lot of sort of the older, the old school fans do forget of about how much comedy there was in Tom Baker's reign. Yeah, which was down to him basically, and then you got Douglas Adams stepped into into it as well. Um, but I think if you, if you go back through the history of Doctor Who, there, there was there were quite a few sort of light hearted. Moments. Obviously, you didn't get light-hearted episodes, also because it was a proper serial then, wasn't it? But yeah, but you had light-hearted moments all the way through. So, but yeah, you could have a ten-minute bit in an, in one of the classic, for want of a better word, uh, yeah. series, um, and still have quite an in-depth story. Mm. But if you then took ten minutes out of a forty-five-minute episode just to have a a light comedy moment. It's not mm. gonna. It's gonna spoil the flow of the the series. Exactly. The flow of the episode. So you've either got to sort of have an episode that's gearing that way, or just have very intermittent light moments that are only about a minute long or so. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, it's we said it's it's a very fine balance to to get right, as you say, in that forty-five minute format. Yeah. You know, um, I know we we mentioned midnight earlier on that there aren't many laughs to be had in that particular episode, no. is there? But um, but the the tone was was set, wasn't it? Yeah, in that one. So um, it sort of started out quite. Um, how can I put it? I say a, a, an innocuous start to that particular episode, but then it get, then it does get really. Then, then that's when the scares start, and it's a damn good episode for it. 
Yeah. But um, as I say, we don't talk about that one bit bit no. much yet. But but that's, yeah. But if that's it, a classic episode, you could yeah. have had series episode one of a four part. Um, if that's a four part story, could have been a light hearted episode with him and Donna explore landing on this leisure place mm. or whatever. Before then, him going off and yeah, because you yeah, because you're almost sort of this particular story. You sort of joining midway, aren't you? Yeah, the the scene's already been set before you started watching. Yeah, the, the doctor's already on the trail. Donna's already on the trail as well, and as if as if we've we've just walked in at, at midway. Um, yeah, and I I personally think that works perf- perfectly okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, 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 it, it's you don't miss the fact that you've had them working out that there's something wrong with this. No, it doesn't need that. Um, the fact of what happens and the way you're led to to what is going to happen is is quite well done. I have yeah. to say. Yeah, as I investigate with the doctor working out about the cat flap. Yeah, and that for. At that point, that that guy goes to um, to visit. What's the character's name? Roger, was it? Um, I couldn't quite figure out why that guy was still taking the adipose pills. Yeah, he didn't seem to be. <laughs> no, exactly. So, but um, yeah, I thought that you know, it was it was just. Uh, I, you know, I, I think have you sort of convinced yourself that you're sort of liking it a bit more than you thought? The more you've, you've spoken about it. Um. I'm, I'm, yeah, it goes back to I, I still wouldn't necessarily have I still wouldn't necessarily be the first thing I'd reach for no. to watch. But, but we, I'm we, not I'm not unhappy that I've had to watch it. No, we we haven't been um criticizing it as much as no, we have I, done I, some I, other I, episodes, I, have we? You know. There's very little in it that I'd actually that I can actually say I didn't like that, I didn't like that, or whatever. Yeah. Um but there's not a huge amount of story. No, there's not. No. So, so you no. haven't really got a lot to be able to pick holes in. No, there's not. They're not trying. They're not trying to do too much. The, I think the only thing um, there's probably only two things I could probably pick holes in, um, but one's related to a um, particular character, which we'll come on to in a, in a minute. Um, but it's the bit where when the Doctor and Donna are in the the cradle outside the building. Yeah. And Miss Foster snaps one of the cables. And basically they can't get through or before that, before they're trying to get through the window and she's deadlocked the building. Yeah. Now later on when she breaks the cable, Donna's hanging off the um hanging off that bit of uh, bit of metal. Um and the doctor then opens a window. Yeah, isn't it supposed to be though that he uses her sonic pen? I can't to unlock it. I and whether her, whether that had was was effectively a key to that. I've got you know what, the deadlock. I only watched this morning, and you know what? I cannot remember that at all. Because he had her. He he, he had caught it, hadn't he? he? Caught it by then. Yeah. And then I think he actually does use that to. Do you know? What, I couldn't make out whether he was using his one or her one. I think it was her one, and I think that was the the point of it was the fact that he could use hers to yeah. unlock the. Well, I know he used it at the end um, against the the computer. Yeah, um, but I, can't, I don't remember that being made very clear with the window bit. No, it makes. Now you told me it makes perfect sense. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, 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 I'm presuming that's what um, it was. Yeah. That, that was my... That's how I've tried to... That's how I've explained it anyway. So <laughs> I'm, I'm quite happy with that uh, I, pro- I, pro- I probably blinked... And I'm happy with that explanation as well. They say it, it would make sense because you say he did catch her sonic pen, so... Um... What were the differences between a, a sonic device and why he couldn't reset... His own. We're talking, yeah, yeah, we're talking about that as being just frequency, obviously. Why he couldn't have worked out what the fr- what frequency he'd have needed, I don't know. Yeah, well, I will. It was it was it was rattling on at a mind you. I suppose yes. he didn't re- he didn't really have time to uh, start figuring out frequencies because I mean Donna's about to fall off of that uh, yeah <laughs> off that cable. So yeah, that's uh... now we just mentioned Miss Foster. Um, what did you think of that particular character as the as the bad guy? Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty neutral, really. I can't I can't say that it seemed. I don't know what I'm trying to say with this one. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, nothing really. It's it, the whole part, the whole rest of the story, other than Donna's relationship with the Doctor and mm. the scenes that Bernard Crimmins is in. <laughs> yeah, I just really fluffed Cat to to get you back into the series. Yeah, I I just thought sort of found her a little bit. And again, I think it was just it was the tone of the episode they were going for. She was a little bit sort of pantomime villain now and again, and especially right at the very end when she, when all the adipose have been taken up by the the nursery ship. I thought she was especially hammy, yeah, in that particular scene. But then a lot of the rest of this had been, hadn't it? It had, yeah. As I say, it, it, so it was it that sort tone of they were going, with yeah. The... Um, the episode. Now the, the the only ridiculous thing, and that it was, and again it was overdoing the uh, the comedy side of things, was the um, the Wiley Coyote type fall when they um, stopped the tractor beam. Yeah, yeah. There shouldn't have been a, a point where she had time yeah. to to realise what was going on. Yeah, that that was just that was yeah. just a little bit overboard. Yeah, that one that really was. Um, but I did like. Um, Sort of when the, all the adipose have been taken, I do. I'm waving at fat. Yes, I do. I love that line, <laughs> and it's the way she delivers it as well. Which sort of, I yeah. cannot believe I'm doing this. But uh, well, I think actually this this is also where um, I think Catherine Tate does come into her own. Is that she can do these throwaway lines? Yeah, and they work really well. Which I don't quite see. I couldn't ever have seen. The other previous companions doing? No, no, definitely not. It did. It did need that sort of comedy touch to it. Yeah. Even for those a few you know brief words, it, it did yeah. need it. But uh, now, actually, the, we mentioned the nursery ship. I thought that looked bloody impressive. Yeah, the sound actually. Was... The sound was brilliant, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. God dear, it's such a great sound. Um, and okay, it was. It was. Riffing on Close Encounters, um, but yeah. mind you, what film hasn't riffed on Close Encounters since it came out? To be honest, um, for that that sort of spaceship design, but it, it the way it was done was spectacular. Yeah, and of course, then you also you also had the uh, the comedic shot of uh, Wolf sitting up on the with his with his back to everything. Yeah, yeah, with his headphones on and he's yeah. looking at a telescope in the wrong direction. Actually, when it when it was going. Behind him, it looked even better. 
when yeah. you saw it from a distance, you could sort of get more of the size of the scale. Yeah, of it. It, it, it was really, really impressive. I really like that. that. I don't think they've. Um, actually, I think for sort of the the, the budget of that, Doctor, it, it was bloody good. It really was. What I was going to say is this actual episode, for being just a light, fluffy episode, must have been reasonably high on budget. I'd have thought. Well, didn't they? Um, when they for the adipose. Didn't they use the same program that they used for the Lord of the Rings film? It's basically so each character is independent, so that they've all got different movements. Yeah. And I th- um, oh, I can't remember the name of the effects house for Lord of the Rings. But basically, they went to. I don't. Th- I'm, not, I'm probably completely. It might have been Weta Digital. I've got. I've got no. Please don't quote me on that because I haven't looked at. It. And again, it was on confidential. That thing, but it, they generated this program. So, um, when they had all the orcs attacking, I think it's for the two towers. Right. Each one was independent of the so they they're all doing different movement, doing different things, and they used that same program for the adipose. Yeah. As well. So, um, but again, it's very very brief. It must have. I don't know how much it it would have cost to to run that. I've absolutely no idea. But it it looked okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, looked okay. You know, it's um, and I remember since remember they made a big thing about that on uh, on Confidential, about they were using the same this same um, program. But uh, as yeah, say, I mean, I, it was, it was could, the one thing. At least it didn't. Whether you like them or not, they weren't clunky in the way some of the other CGI created. No, well, monsters have been. Yeah, I mean they they characters. looked. Yeah, they I mean they okay they but looked, they are pretty simple. Yeah, they did well, look. I they this, did. Someone's going to say, "Do you know how long?" Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, they did look. See, they didn't look anything, anything but CGI creations. But it yeah. su- it suited that yeah. particular um, sort of monster, if you want, yeah. for want of a better description. Yeah. Well, it didn't. They didn't need to have tone or skin coloring or. No, they just white whatever. blobs, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. That's all they were. But uh, now, actually, there was one character. Um, I sort of despised in this episode, and that was Donald's mum. I just, fa- I just found her, but just particularly hateful in this episode. Yeah, I think that's what they were going for again. But I just, oh, yeah, to- yeah, totally. But I just really thought, oh, shut up, woman. Yeah, and then she, and then she was in the pub with her equally hateful friends as well, Please. especially the, the one who was on the uh, on the adipose pills. Yeah. Um, again, I th- thought, yeah, I can see you two being friends actually. <laughs> You're both no, as, yeah, but it, it you're sets both the whole as, scene, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Why, why Donna really wants to get away as well. Yeah. Is that, and also why, as it turned out, her husband, which then became her father, goes up on the hill every night. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that you, you get the feeling it is literally to get away. He's not actually that bothered about looking at the stars. Just it is just an excuse to go get up. Get out the house from her. Get yeah. out the house. <laughs> I'd ask for a divorce, actually, if that was... Uh... Oh, yeah, I, d- I just really did not like um, that cat in this particular story. Yeah, really, I, I don't know. But it was it was setting her up as her character. Well, actually, as a, as a we hateful had character, a bit, haven't we? Well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just didn't uh, didn't particularly. Now, obviously, um, the 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 bit at the end with Rose. Yeah. Now. I must admit, when I f- this was first broadcast, they kept that very, very quiet. Yes. We, we all knew that Rose was going to be back in it because that had already been announced. 
but what nobody knew she was going to be in that particular episode. Yeah, how she was going to keep yeah. reoccurring. Now, I don't like the character of Rose. I'm probably out on a in a, sort of out on a limb in a, in a minority, whatever you whatever you want to call it. But um, I was just come. I was just sick of the character coming into the second series. Uh and I wasn't particularly looking forward to her coming back for the fourth series. But then she was used really well because it was such a surprise. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, I'd actually partly forgotten that. Yeah, I just uh, and, and and sort of her sort of theme tune kicked in. Yeah, as well. Uh, you know, the, you know, the doomsday music, and I thought, I thought it, it was really, really. I thought that was that was really well done. Yeah, and then she sort of disappeared. It, it made it mysterious. You didn't know what the hell was going on. Yeah, because um, I think at that particular moment in time, everyone just thought, oh well, the Doctor goes to the parallel the parallel universe. But because um, no one knew how she was coming back, they just knew she was back, didn't know how. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I I thought that was quite cleverly handled, to be honest. Yeah, as a setup with no and no side to it either, as such. You know, it just yeah, there wasn't any point where she was supposed to even try to say anything to to Donna or no, that's whatever. Right. Yeah, just sort of nodded and yeah, and turned around at the camera. And I thought that was it. Just it was just so it was really well handled. Yeah, really, really good. Um, as but, underplayed as some, <laughs> it was actually wasn't some of it? these things get, yeah. Because you know how sort of um, Russell T Davis can be very sort of when he introduces a character, or, or yeah. it's usually pompous and overblown, and but that was very subtle for him because uh, he actually wrote this episode as well. Very very subtle, but good though. It was good. So yeah, I was trying to think. Yeah, the only the only thing actually talking about is getting back to this is is the only one I don't. The only thing about it is is the. Adipose being able to convert bone and whatever. That yeah, seemed to me... There's a bit of a plot contrivance, that bit, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because they don't want to leave a grisly skeleton. Yeah. On at <laughs> six o'clock on a Saturday <laughs> evening. I mean, that, that that's all that is, isn't it? Yeah. that That is all it is, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that would have been a step too far, actually. <laughs> Which might actually have given the story a bit of an edge if it had, really. It might have done. But you sort of don't um, get the shock value of what's happening, I think, because you don't. Well, again, there isn't anything left. Well, again, it's, it's, it was almost like a comedy death, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, she's sort of like pulsating, and 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 then she just explodes, and then you get these little things go walking away. There's they say there was no gore or anything like that. No. But as you say, you don't need that at six o'clock on a no. Saturday evening. No, you don't. But it's just it's sort of it was the. Well, we're sort of stretching the story to get away from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I don't know. It's, 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 but, yeah. it's, but it, it's, it doesn't. It doesn't naturally spoil the, the, the story no, anyway. No, it doesn't. And you can understand why they did it. Yes, it's to say it was just meant to be a light-hearted season opener, which I think it yeah. was. Um, yeah. And so I, I wouldn't be averse if someone said, "I'll you know um, pop a, a Doctor Who DVD on," and that happened to be the episode. I'll quite happily sit down and watch it. Yeah, if I was flicking randomly for something to watch on telly and it was on, yeah. I'd probably watch it. Yeah. But, like I say, not the first. No, not for, no, yeah, it's not the first you would reach for, but I think if it was on, I would just go, oh, yeah, okay. I'll sit, sort of put my feet, feet up with a, with a drink or something and just watch it. So, yeah, it's... Uh, it's uh, Actually, I'm, I'm quite... Because I was actually sort of thinking, oh, I wasn't really looking forward to watching it. Yeah. This was going to be... well. 
other than the commentary in between, three negative yeah. uh, podcasts in a row. Yeah, like, and I, 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 yeah I didn't really want to... I, I'm glad it hasn't turned out that way, that to be way, honest. Because yeah. <laughs> yes. I hate being negative about Doctor Who. Um, yeah. You know, but that's say, even, even in the, the specials, we did find some good in, in them, and they all featured Bernard Cribbins. Yes. Yeah, so... They just carried on the theme a bit with it. Yeah, so, so there is some good to be uh, to, to be found in there. Yeah. Oh dear. Right. I think I think on that positive note. Yes. I think that's that's a, a good place to to wrap this up. Actually, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Um. Now next week, you're not going to be here, are you? No. No. Uh, Paul's uh, going on his on his holidays. Um, yes. So, um, if all being well, next week, um. I shall have a, a stand-in host. So, um, I'm not going to say who it is yet. So, Because um, yeah. they, might, they might hear this. And they might hear this and they sod that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not talk- I'm not speaking to that book for t- for half an hour. <laughs> yeah, so... so <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I think for the first time ever, this podcast only had one-third of the team. Yes. Uh, present, so uh, yes. But say, actually, I'm not away. Actually, it's just me and Tone are going off and doing our own thing. <laughs> that that sounds um, a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> Podcasting wise, I was so each to their own. I hope you both be very happy that. together. <laughs> and I mean that very, very sincerely. Mm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so does Tone's wife as well, doesn't yes. he? <laughs> <laughs> how much she paid you to do that <laughs> oh right okay then so um, so obviously next week um, it will be the fires of Pompeii um, so not for me it won't not, not from you it won't <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to it of course oh of yeah. course of course so um, yeah so I have got um, we, we have got someone lined up to take Paul's place next week so um... <laughs> on a permanent basis I <laughs> so uh, yes so we'll um well, you'll find out who that is next week. Yes. Yes. So, um, until then, it is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. Podcast, a proud member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. If you'd like to get in touch with us here at the show, please drop us an email at feedback at who's-he.co.uk and please also visit our website, which is at www.who's-he.co.uk and you can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast.